the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. These are verses that are often read at a funeral for a believer. They bring great comfort to the family of a believer that has died. When a believer in Jesus Christ dies, Jesus comes to receive them and carry them to their new home in heaven. He says that where I am there, you may be also. Listen, being united with Jesus is the main focus of heaven. Heaven is heaven, not because of the streets of gold or the pearly gates. Heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. And we will be with him for heaven, forever. That's what's going to make heaven, heaven. It's easy to get caught up in imagining the aesthetics of heaven. The streets of gold, the gates of pearl, and walls made from precious gems. But those things will seem as mundane and commonplace as asphalt and drywall in our world. As Pastor Dan will remind us in today's message, the primary focus, the thing that will capture your attention in heaven, will be the presence of our Savior. His glory will make even the most valued things of this world seem like simple construction materials. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 14 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Listen, we're all on this long journey called life. And we're longing to be home. And one day we'll be home in our Father's house. At the end of this journey, we'll finally get home. And Jesus says in His Father's house, there are many mansions, dwelling places. Your translation might say rooms. One commentary I read described these rooms as apartments. I sure hope they're not apartments. You know, I like mansions. That sounds much better than moving into an apartment. If it is an apartment, I'm sure it's going to be glorious. And we won't be disappointed. The point here is there, there is a place for each believer in our Father's house in heaven. Whether, whether it's a room or a mansion, God has prepared a place for you that is waiting for you when you arrive, when you finally Get home. In First Peter 1, it says we have an inheritance reserved for us in heaven. Doesn't that sound wonderful? It's reserved for us. God has reserved an inheritance for you and for me. And it's waiting for us there in heaven. The reason Jesus was leaving his disciples to go was to go to heaven, to his father's house, to prepare a place for us there. Isn't that amazing just to consider that, that Jesus is in heaven preparing a place for us with him in his father's house, a place uniquely appointed for you and a place uniquely appointed 
for me? What, what will that be like? What, what will your mansion or your apartment look like? What will mine look like? What will, what will there be there in heaven? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what heaven will be like or what it will look like, but I know that it will be perfectly suited for each of us individually. Uh, you know, in the book of Revelation, we studied through the book of Revelation last year, and um, in the book of Revelation, John has a vision of heaven And when John describes heaven, it's interesting, John describes what's not there instead of what is there. It's it's as if there's too much to say about what is there, and so John describes for us what isn't there in heaven. When you travel to a foreign country, one of the things you typically notice are the differences that are there in that foreign country. You, You notice what's different about it. That seems to be what stands out to you the most. You know, like maybe the way that they make their coffee. It's not like the way they make coffee here in the United States. And that's the thing that you notice. Well, in Revelation, John described what was noticeably different about heaven. Listen to what he says in Revelation 21.4. He says, in heaven, there is no more death. There's no more sorrow, nor crying, nor pain. For the former things are passed away, and everything is made new. That's what stood out to John about heaven. John can say, I, I can tell you what's not in heaven. There's no death there. There's no sorrow. There's no crying. There's no pain. The causes of those things are not in heaven. Everything's new. So different in the world that we live in. So Jesus was leaving the disciples to go to heaven to prepare a place for them. Then verse 3, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus promised he would come again to receive his disciples to himself and then take them to heaven, to his father's house. And this is a promise for every believer, for every believer. And Jesus here, he's using using imagery from the culture of that day And it's something that is still common in many Middle Eastern cultures today. In that culture, when a man married a woman, uh, they would live, the married couple would live in the home of the father of the groom. And so, wives, uh, if you lived in ancient times or if you lived in parts of the Middle East today, when you got married to your husband, you would move into uh, your husband's family's home. You'd move in with his family. With your in-laws. Think about that. (laughs) You know, if your in-laws live two states away and you think that's a little too close for comfort, well, it's not the next room, you know, kind of thing. Uh, This is still something that's practiced uh, in in Arab uh, families today. Many Arab families today still do this. You go to the Middle East today, in some countries you'll see in Arab towns, you'll often see at a home that's maybe two or three stories tall, And only the bottom story, the first floor, is built out and people are living in the first floor. The second and third floor uh, are are not finished. They're unfinished. Uh, And sometimes you'll see just, you know, concrete pillars and rebar sticking up on the second and third floor. uh, And there's no walls or maybe there's no windows and it's all just kind of roughed in. The reason is that family has, has two sons. And so the father, when he built his house, he went ahead and roughed in the second floor and the third floor for his two sons. And once his, 
his, once a son reaches adulthood, the father will begin to complete one of those floors for his son in anticipation of his son getting married and bringing his wife to come and live in that house in his father's house. That's the imagery Jesus is using here uh, in this in this description of heaven. By the way, this is why in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 of your note taker, the command is given to the husband to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. The command is not given to the wife. Why is that? Because the wife has already left her father and mother and moved in with her husband's family in her, in her husband's family's home. She has already left. The husband is still living with his parents. And so the command is given to the husband that he needs to leave and cleave to his wife. Even though he still lives physically with his parents, he needs to leave them emotionally and cleave to his wife. Here Jesus, again, he uses that, that same imagery where he is the groom, the church is his bride, he's preparing a place in his father's house for his bride, and one day he promises he will come for his bride and receive his bride to himself and take her to his home in heaven. And he receives individual believers when we die, and one day he will come for his church in the rapture and take his church to heaven, to his father's house. So that's the imagery he's using. He's using this whole marriage imagery of preparing a place in your father's house for your bride and you to live. Now, in our culture today, when a man wants to marry a woman, what does a man give that woman as a sign of his intentions to marry her? He gives her an engagement ring, right? And he gives her that engagement ring, and that engagement ring is a symbol of his intentions. That engagement ring says he intends to marry her, and then there's this engagement period, and during that engagement period, the man is preparing for a life together with his bride, or at least he should be. Uh, and maybe that means he, is, he gets a job, he moves out of his parents' house, he gets his own place, he saves money for the wedding, he saves money to start a life together with his new wife. That's a different sermon for a different time, but what a man should do before he gets married. But, well, in, in Jesus' day, that meant you build a room on your father's house for you and your bride to live in. That's, that's getting ready for marriage. Now, in, what's the engagement ring that Jesus has given us? The Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit. It says in first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, that God has given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee, as a pledge. And the word that's used there is the same word for engagement ring. He's given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of His intentions with us. His intentions are to go and prepare a place for us in heaven and then come back and receive us to Himself so that we can forever be with him in his father's house. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a, a, an engagement ring of, of sorts, as the guarantee of his intentions. And so you have these verses here, verses 1 to 3, very, uh, very comforting verses. These are verses that are often read at a funeral for a believer. They bring great comfort to the family of a believer that has died. And when a believer in Jesus Christ dies, Jesus comes to receive them and carry them to their new home in heaven. 
He says that where I am there, you may be also. Listen, being united with Jesus is the main focus of heaven. Heaven is heaven, not because of the streets of gold or the pearly gates. Heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. And we will be with him forever. That's what's going to make heaven, heaven. So verse 4, And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? You have to love Thomas. Again, picture this scene. They're sitting around a dinner table. They've just finished dinner. Jesus begins to talk about leaving and that he's going to prepare a place for them in his father's house and he's going to come back. And you can picture all of the other disciples sitting around that table just kind of nodding their head like a bobblehead uh, because they don't want to look stupid. But Thomas is, is, is courageous enough to be honest and say, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know where you're going. We don't know how to get there. <laughs> and remember, this is his last night with the disciples. He's going to go from here to, the, to Gethsemane where he's going to be arrested. He's been with them three and a half years. And they still don't get it. He's been with them three and a half years and it's like they're failing the final exam here. Right? The end. And they still don't understand what's happening. So Thomas raises his hand. Thomas speaks up and he, he says... We don't know where you're going, and we don't know how to get there. But you know, it's because of Thomas's question that we have verse 6. What a powerful verse. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. He's the way to heaven. He's the way to the Father's house. He's not a way. He's the one and only way to heaven. And he's the truth. Again, he's not a truth. Uh, we, we live in a day today when many people think that there are no absolute truths, especially when it comes to God. And when it comes to heaven, people say, well, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And it doesn't really matter what you believe and, and you can have your own truth about God. You can have your own truth about life and morality and heaven. And what happens to a person when they die? But Jesus says here, there is absolute truth. Jesus is the truth. He reveals to us the truth about life and God and heaven and hell. And he's the life. Again, he's not a life. He's the life. He's the only way to eternal life. Jesus demonstrated this through his own resurrection. 
We're told in 1 Corinthians, he's described as the first fruits of the resurrection, meaning the first of many that will be resurrected. All those who put their faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection for them, they also will be resurrected to eternal life. He's the life. And not only that, he says at the end of verse 6, no one comes to the Father except through me. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He's the only pathway to God. He's the only way into the Father's house. And again, in our culture today, some, some believe there are many pathways that lead to God, many ways to heaven, that all religions lead to heaven, or being a good person will get you into heaven. And maybe you're here today and you believe that. Maybe you believe that, that all religions are the same, and that all paths lead to heaven. Well, Jesus said there is only one way, and it's through him. And some people are bothered by that. Some people are bothered by that exclusive claim of Jesus. They don't like that there's only one way to heaven. They think that's too narrow. They don't like the narrowness of Christianity. They find that offensive, and I I understand that. But listen, there are a lot of things in your life every day that are narrow. There are a lot of things in your life every day that have one way to them. You came into this building today through one way. There's only one way in, and that's through the front door. And probably none of you were bothered by that. That we have, we have uh, isolated the only way into the building through one door, and you came through that door and you didn't think twice about it. It's just one way in. Jesus has said there's one way to heaven, and that's through faith in Him. He's the only door. Now, anyone can come in. He doesn't exclude anyone of the opportunity. Whosoever will may come, but you have to come through Jesus Christ. And, and let's not forget who it is that's making this exclusive claim. It's God incarnate who came down from heaven to the earth. He died, and three days later, He rose from the dead, and then He ascended back to heaven and he's alive today in heaven. He came down from heaven. He's in heaven. I would say he probably knows better than anyone else how you get into heaven. Because that's where he's from and that's where he is. He's the only one who's got that information. And he says he's the only way in. He goes on in verse 7 to say, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. So Jesus explains that he can say he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him because he's God. Verse 8, though, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Philip just makes a real small request here. Just show us the Father. That's all. Just show us, just show us God, and, and that'll, be, that'll be sufficient for us. That's all we need. <laughs> Again, this is the last night. Three and a half years every day with these disciples. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. He says here, 
you know, he, he says, have I been with you so long? He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus came to this earth to reveal God to us. To show us the Father. To show us God. Uh, back in John chapter 1, verse 18. There, Jesus, in chapter 1, verse 18. Jesus said, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. He has revealed Him to us. He has made Him Known In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus is the express image of the person of God. The express image. Uh, if you have the English Standard Version, it says Jesus is the exact imprint, like a stamp or like a photograph. If you want to see God, look at Jesus. Is the exact imprint of God. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. The visible image of the invisible God. Again, if you want to see God, you look at Jesus. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. That's why Jesus could say to Philip and can say to us, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then in verse 11, look at verse 11. He says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. At the end of verse 11, Jesus calls on Philip and all of us to believe him, to believe that he is God. And he says, believe me, or believe me for the sake of the works themselves. We can believe Jesus is God for two reasons. First of all, we can believe he's God and the only way to heaven because he says he is. Because of his words. Because he claims to be the only way to God. That's one reason. Or we can believe him for the sake of the works he did. Now, if, if, if I claim to be God, or if any other person claimed to be God, you, you could examine their life. Does their life and their lifestyle line up with God? You know, God was perfect. God was without sin. And so you can look at their life. You can look at my life, their lifestyle. Are they sinless? Have they lived a perfect life their whole life? Have they done anything miraculous that only God can do? Well, Jesus lived a perfect sinless life. That's why he's the perfect sacrifice for us. Jesus was without sin. And he did miracles that only God can do. He performed countless miracles, healing people, casting out demons, calming storms, multiplying food, raising the dead to life. Those are things that only God can do. And so both his words and his deeds testify to his deity. He, he, he claimed to be God and his works that he did testify that he is indeed God. And right now he's in heaven preparing a place for you and a place for me. And he promises that one day he will come back for us and receive us to himself and take us to heaven to his father's house that he has prepared for us so that we can be with him forever. That's comfort for a troubled heart, isn't it? 
Thanks for joining Pastor Dan Sexton today to study the book of 1 John on Ring of Truth. This New Testament letter encourages its readers to grow in faith, to set aside personal agendas, and unite in a pursuit of God's plans. The author wants those who follow Christ to experience Him fully, as well as experience the beautiful gift of a church community. Having a body of believers around you to support and encourage you in your personal walk with Christ is important. You'll also find that a body of believers is somewhere you can be Jesus' hands and feet to others. Are you part of a church? If not, we want to encourage you to find one soon. If you're in the Baltimore, Washington area, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just a few minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. You can find out more at our website, calvaryec.com. You can also give us a call for more information. Our phone number is 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're honored to be able to share God's Word with you through each edition of Ring of Truth. If you'd like to listen to additional teachings from this series, you'll find them at calvaryec.com. That's all for now. Join us next time for more on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize